just kind of like, well, no, I don't know. Maybe we'll figure it out. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the first and maybe last official episode of Too Many Cooks in the Theater. Uh, I'm your host, Ethan Cook. And I am Matt Cook. Uh, And today we're going to be talking about some of the best and worst movies of 2019. We kind of have a a rough idea of the order of things that we're going to go over, but uh, I don't know. What did you think of 2019 as a year for movies so far? Well, uh, I mean, one of the first things I thought of with 2019 was it was headed in the direction of being kind of a poor year overall. I think the first half of the year didn't really have a whole lot of great things to offer. Um, fortunately, it made up for a lot of that on the back end. So I don't know if you felt the same way about it or not. No, I mean, I absolutely agree. There was it, it definitely took a while to kind of get its footing in terms of like quality movies. But I do think once it kicked off, I'd say around like November, probably it just went off to the races from there. I think, yeah, I think that's about right. About the right time frame. In fact, and I don't know if you went and checked, I think on the whole, like between in theaters and some I watched on streaming and stuff, I think I watched in the neighborhood of a hundred movies this past year. Oh, I definitely didn't count. I, well, I know you probably didn't count or anything like that, but I mean, needless to say that gives everybody who's listening sort of an idea of how much we checked out. I mean, you were, in the neighborhood. I mean, most I likely because uh, 90% of the stuff that you go see, I'm there as well. Yeah. And so, yeah, you could ballpark that. So I'm yeah. just probably I think, I think you'll find most of the movies that we talked about, like, I'll probably have seen all of the all of the ones Ethan brings up. Ethan's going to have seen most of the ones I brought up. So we've pretty much covered all our bases on this stuff. So, yeah. There's very little, I think, that we're going to be talking about that the other person hasn't seen. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's only a few here or there. Um, do you want to like kind of explain the format, how we're going to go over this, this yeah, list? I'm not going to get into specifics. I'll let people kind of listen and find out as they go along, but I think we can go ahead and start off. We can talk about some of the honorable mentions for the year before we kind of get into like what we thought were some of the best stuff. So I'll let you kind of kick off what you feel like were some of the movies that like were really good, but didn't quite reach yeah, the bar. I mean, in the top 10 before. I, so to get into that, I'll sort of explain how I came up with my top 10 list. Like my criteria, it wasn't so much like, Oh, these are the best film achievements of the year it was more like these were my 10 best movie experiences so it's going to contain you know some things that uh were probably oscar nominations and some things that were just a great time at the movies it's going to be a combination so that being said my honorable mentions might have some surprises in it for you um so like i'll start with a couple of movies that you'll be surprised are probably not in my top 10 and one of them uh is the irishman um, which didn't quite make my top 10 list. I thought it was a very good Scorsese film. I, I like Scorsese's films. This is sort of his gang, you know, return to the gangster genre. Um, it's my favorite of the three between Casino and Goodfellas in this one. Um, it's three and a half hours, but I didn't feel it, but it, it just didn't quite make my top 10 for, you know, reasons I'm not going to go into because it's not on the top list. but that's kind of the first one I wanted to mention. I'll do a couple more, then I'll toss it your way. Uh, 1917 was really, really close to my top 10. Um, great looking movie. Um, I feel like the whole thing with, I don't want to call it a gimmick, but the, the the decision to make everything look like a single shot ended up being a little more distracting to me than I preferred. And uh, the other one that didn't make my top 10, that's been on a lot of top 10 lists, is Uncut Gems, which... 
you know, I know you really like that movie. It may be on your top ten. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. For the record, we we've kind of we've kept our top ten list from each other. Oh yeah, been, it's a good thing to point out. We've been yeah. waiting to for to sit down and record this to kind of reveal each other our top ten. So. Yeah, we'll be kind of finding this stuff out as we go along. So those are sort of the big ones that I left off on top ten. Are there what what are yours that you want to throw out there? So I would agree with uh, the Irishman is in my honorable mentions as well, um, and also 1917, two great films. And I also want to point out that like a lot of the films that I'm going to talk about in my honorable mentions, you know, don't think of them like oh that was in my 11th spot or that was in my 12th spot. These don't really have a ranking. They're all good movies. Yeah, no, they're all great. Like so, some of my honorable mentions I think for the year, things that like really stood out to me in terms of like good quality movies, but just didn't quite make the cut. I'd say things like Us uh, back in February, the Jordan Peele film. Yeah. Um, kind of knocked my socks off earlier in the year, and it it takes a lot for a movie to come out early in a year and for it to stick with me. Yeah, that was a February movie. Yeah, it was a February. And so it takes a lot for someone to come out and to stick with me all the way till the end of the year. Um, and Us really kind of hit me at the time, and I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, I also kind of I want to give a shout-out to uh, Hustlers, the uh, <laughs> Lorene Scafaria film. Yeah. I, I am a bit of – that's a bit of a guilty pleasure of mine. I can understand if someone can't quite feel like they have a stomach for that movie. It's definitely a movie that um, I wouldn't say revels in its in what it's about, but it's it does, it wears it on its sleeve and it's proud of the story that it's telling. Yeah, um, and I think that because of how proud it is of the story it's telling, it tells that story really well. I think the screenplay is a lot, fant- of, it, a lot of it works. Lot yeah, of it works. the screenplay is is really well written, and I think Jennifer Lopez and um, uh, Constance Wu mm-hmm. bro give like fantastic performances, and I was. Going into that movie with very little expectations, and it was very surpassed. So I think that's kind of why it stood out to me so well. Um, I'll throw out one more honorable mention, then I'll give it back to you. Um, Knives Out was on my honorable mentions. Okay. Um, Something I just so it's a great, great movie. Um, It's it's there's there's something about it that's just so engaging from start to finish. Because every time you think you kind of understand what the movie's doing and what it's presenting to you, it's just a fun time, and it's just, it's really good. So yeah. I, I enjoyed Knives Out quite a bit. I won't, I don't know if that's on your list, so I'm not going to go delve too far into it. Maybe we'll talk more about it later, so I'll throw more honorable mentions your way. Yeah, a few things, just really, like, something to watch at home that you really, really like. I really enjoyed The Peanut Butter Falcon. I know you didn't catch that one. Nah, yeah, I didn't get a chance to go that's, see that. It's really, really good. I mean, just something to... Watch at home and heartwarming movie, excellent. Uh, you want a good, entertaining, scary movie? Crawl is terrific. Um, go check it out if you like. You know, monster movies like you know this, this is you know Monster Gator movie in it, but it's really well done <laughs> and a lot of fun. Uh, the last couple of things I'm going to mention. There's a movie called Art of Self Defense that I really dug. Uh, see with. Uh, Jesse Eisenberg, and then uh, and, uh, and Nivoli, Alessandro Nivoli, who plays the sensei. Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah, he was oh, fantastic. He was, uh, he, he was so world. great. It's such a weird little movie, <laughs> and his character alone is yeah, just they, worth the price of admission. They make it. Um, and so two family movies I want to throw out there that I really liked that surprised me. One, you'll find on Disney+, Plus, Togo. I wanted to bring that up because. All right. Well, I mean, it's it's excellent. I no, mean, I, I can't judge. I haven't gotten the chance right. to sit down and watch it. And a real surprise for me, I didn't think I would like this. Was all if, if you want a family movie to watch, Dora and the Lost City of Gold. <laughs> I, yes, <laughs> it is better. 
It is better than it has any right to be. I'm for the record, we have like a whole list of movies that we could talk about. I have things on like an honorable mentions that I probably won't even get a chance to go over because I don't want to spend so much time hey. on this. But he's choosing to spend his time on Dora and the Lost City no, of Gold. I'm spending 30 seconds on it. That's so, that's so all good. I'm it's, on it. No, I love it. It's but great. I feel like it's like it, people overlook that movie because it looks like just cheesy as, you know, but it's better than that. Um, oh, A Little Battle Angel. That's the other one I want to throw out. There okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Elite Battle Angel. That one was That's, a lot of fun. It uh, sure is. So if you guys are writing these down, those are some honorable mentions. What's at the end of your honorable mention list? Uh, I'll try and cap it off. Let's see. You kind of went over a lot of the ones that I had on my honorable mentions, things that I really liked. Crawl, I thought, was a fantastic movie. Um, it was just so much fun. It's it's monster movies like that are kind of far and few between when they're successful. Yeah. They can come across really shoddily made and just it can you know the stories uh, aren't all that well I mean sometimes it's really hard to take a simple premise and make it you know something that stands out no absolutely really, really I don't disagree with that at all and so that's why the fact that Crawl pulled it off so well was just fantastic uh, let's say Honey Boy mm, um, yeah I liked Honey Boy uh, yeah Honey Boy is just it's a great collection of performance uh, performances from Noah Jupe, Shia LaBeouf, and Lucas Hedges mm-hmm. um, throughout this whole tale of of you know this this true story of Shia LaBeouf's life. And you know there are certain things that I wish were a little different about it um, in terms of you know its length. And I wish some certain story beats had gotten some more time to shine. But just getting to sit and watch all three of those actors give everything they have. And Noah Jupe, so young and giving such an incredible performance. That kid is good. He is, is really yeah, good. Yeah, I'm going to be very interested to follow him and see like what else he continues to do in the future. Uh, let's see. A couple more. Let's see. I'm going to give a shout out to Joker. Which I think just pulled in like what eleven Oscar nominations and a billion dollars in the box office. <laughs> it's I, yeah, I know. Ridiculous. I I was I was in the minority on that one. I mean, I understand why people are liking it. I just for some reason. Yeah, I mean, and and but, I'm not gonna say you know this isn't like you know right on the verge of my top ten. Uh, there are there are things about Joker that I think are um, have room for improvement, but just as a whole and and a project with such. Um, with such intent behind it, I feel like Todd Phillips wanted to make this movie the way that he did, and I feel like he pulled that off. And now he had a very specific vision. <laughs> yeah, no, and he and he went for it, and it's and it's pretty out there. And Joaquin Phoenix, he's yeah, is a big reason why it works as well as it does. He's going to win the Oscar, you know that, right? For best actor, yes. <clears throat> oh, I don't. I wouldn't. I don't know. I bet that's money. not. I bet, I bet money on that. That's mm-hmm. not surefire. I wouldn't well, no. bet money on that. Um, I'll give one last honorable mention, and then we can go ahead and get cracking on our top ten list. If that's all right with you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so I'm gonna throw in um, Avengers Endgame. Okay. So Avengers Endgame is like what the end of uh, 22 movies, and yeah. just this big culmination of things, and it's three hours long, and it's just all all the things that it wants to be and it does it with so much like power and just energy behind it. And there's like, it's so fun. And there isn't a moment in that movie where I wasn't just having a good time. There are certainly cracks in it. Um, and I don't know, we might end up talking more about this later, but, um, Avengers Endgame is, is, you know, is a fantastic movie for, being the end of this of the saga of the Marvel universe, and they did a very very good job with that. So, yep. 
Without further ado, I will let you kick off. We're going to go back and forth on our top 10. Um, so he's going to say his number 10, I'll say mine, then nine, and then we'll just kind of keep yeah. going up. And I think we agreed, like, if we come to a point where, like, there's a movie higher up on each other's list or something like that, we're going to sort of, you know, mention it in a sentence or two, but probably delay it. Yeah, we'll bump up the discussion till later, just so we don't, you know, end up talking about the same thing more than once. Yep, yep. So anyways, okay. So get started. for number me, 10. number 10 on my list, and this, the last slot was really hard to fill. I, I tossed around The Irishman, and I tossed around 1917, but Once Upon a Time in Hollywood... That was that ended, up, that ended up taking the final spot. <clears throat> you know what? You know what? If I would, if I was to be, I'll let you give it a spot. Ten is fine by me. Yeah, I, oh, <laughs> I'm glad you. I'm you glad have my sign, permission. I'm glad you're signing off on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, I just and honestly, if I had gotten a chance to see it a second time, and I'm going to at some point, I think it, it could have moved up a little bit higher. I remember when I first walked out of it, you know, I I was really having to sit with it for a little bit because, you know, it is sort of a long journey where you're just with these characters on this trip with them through life. I mean, there's the, the plot itself is sort of, you know, ambiguous. You're just spending time with these characters and Leonardo DiCaprio is fantastic. Brad Pitt is great. And they have this sort of oh, yeah. brotherly relationship that really works. I mean, and you don't really see, no, you don't get a lot that of people, often. A lot of people call it the ultimate bromance or whatever it is, but I mean, you don't see that sort of disagree. thing portrayed on on screen very often in such a genuine way. And that sort of anchored the movie. Obviously, you know, the whole idea behind the movie is sort of a, um, sort of a retelling of the turning point of Hollywood in the late 1960s, uh, when there was, uh, you know, and, and the murder of Sharon Tate was one of those things that really changed things in the, the, the course of Hollywood. And Tarantino is looking back on this with sort of a nostalgic view and sort of reinventing, um, and, and recreating those scenarios in his own mind and how things maybe he would like it to have seen it come together. Um, so it's sort of wistful in that sense. Um, but I think he did an amazing job recreating those certain moments, the production design, the costumes, everything like that. I mean, feels very of its time. And, you know, it does sort of I can see certain generations. I remember, you know, talking to some some people from my dad's generation and think, man, I remember Hollywood in those days, and it really meant, you know, it it really struck a chord with those people. No, yeah, I mean, it it marked the end of an era, and I think that, you know, and I'll, I'll go ahead and point out, I'm in the I'm kind of in the minority on the film. I'm not a big fan of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's not on my honorable mentions. It's not on my top ten either. But I will not deny that there is a, a genuine power behind the way that movie is made and capturing that era is he did Quentin Tarantino just did it flawlessly. Yeah. And like you are there and you're feeling it and you are in that environment and Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio just are like the cherry on top of this of this pie. Yeah. And and I you know, I, I think, wouldn't disagree. Well and the stuff that he did with the Manson family and, and those particular scenes yeah. when they're on the ranch and some of those tense moments in the entire film were based around around all of that. And I, I you know, I remember that vividly. Uh, and if you give me a Quentin Tarantino directed horror movie, I would be well, all yeah. on board for that. Well, yeah, of course you would. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I think the ending is going to be a little bit controversial for people, but I could, I could see where he's coming from. Um, it, it's, it's the least Tarantino movie we've gotten from him so far. 
until maybe the last 15, 20 minutes. But up until that yeah. point, <laughs> it is the most restrained I've ever seen him be. Like, oh, there he is. Uh, on, yeah. sc- on screen. So, you know, it sort of feels like a little bit more of a mature version of uh, Tarantino. I mean, and, and I love a lot of what he's done before, but this one in particular stands it's, out as something different. This is what, his, his ninth film? This was number nine, right? I know that yeah, the, he's, he's talked he's got, about like I think you know, this is number nine. He, he's wanting to put a cap on him on his his it's career ten. at some point, and so I think that like for for a movie towards the end of his directing career, this is I, I'll never disagree that this is the movie that he wanted to make and he made it very well. And um, for the yeah. record, I think he's making more than ten movies. But I yeah, it's I, I won't disagree with that either. I it's one of those things where people keep talking about whether or not they're going to retire and you know putting a number on however yeah. many movies are going to make. And I, I have big doubts about whether or not that's, that's really the case. All right. Well, let's go, let's move on to your number 10. What are we looking at? All right. My number 10, you brought this up in your honorable mentions. And actually I was, well, I want to point this out before I get into the rest of my list. I found this really funny. Number 10 is the only film on my list that is not a writer director combo. This is the only movie that I have that the director was not also the writer. Oh, I see where you're going. With so this. this is Alita battle angel. <laughs> nice. Okay. This movie, I, man, Hey, I saw it twice. I no, I did too. I like literally went and brought friends to see it another time because the first time I went and saw it, this was early. This was another February movie. Uh, roughly. Yeah. And, and, and I had no expectations. I thought, man, this looks like it could be fun but you know it probably won't work because it's this big cgi big budget kind of thing and those always feel like they're doomed to fail but man something about it struck a chord with me there's just so much heart behind the entire thing and this the story of this um this uh i don't know a cyborg falling yeah i mean she's sort of this this creation it is infused. Uh, yeah, she's sort of a yeah. human cyborg. A human cyborg hybrid, fallen hybrid, from yeah. fallen from this, uh, you know, uh, utopian society above the slums beneath them, and and her getting to kind of grow up and and learn and and the see the way that these becoming societies human. becoming human in this like you know class society and or at least desiring things. humanity. I guess she can't become human. But. Yeah, and so it's got you know this like you know very kind of underlying commentary and everything. But above all that, because this is a Robert Rodriguez film, it's just fun action. It's crazy. It's ridiculous. Visually, There's, it's really impressive. Yeah, the effects they really put their work in, and they're. There was, I remember originally when the trailers for this film came out, there was a lot of pushback and confusion around the look of Alita. And I. Oh, the big eyes. Yeah, the big eyes. And I won't disagree that it's. It's the manga comic. Yeah, because because if you're not aware, Alita Battle Angel is adapted from a manga. And so they kind of wanted to evoke that style while still keeping everything in reality. And I think once you sit down and you're watching this movie for a two hour experience, it it sells itself. And the reality of, of. this character of Alita, like there wasn't a second where I didn't believe that she was in the environment that she was in, that she wasn't there and interacting with all the other characters in the film. And there's just such a good heart to it. And it's just, it's fun and crazy. And I just was entertained. Yeah. I mean, shout out to Rosa Salazar. Um, Oh my gosh. I, I don't think this thing works at all. If she doesn't like just draw you in from the beginning and make you really care about what happens to her. I mean, that she's the linchpin on this this whole movie. Yeah, she really brings it together. And, and if her, her performance had failed, 
I, it, no, it wouldn't have worked at all. And and that's not to say that this movie is without some some issues. I think the the character of Hugo, uh, played by Ken Johnson, is has, yeah. is a little rough and, kind of and away. Yeah, you know, he you could do without him. But I would watch this movie again in a heartbeat, and I just. Had such a good time with it. Yeah, and uh, the cyborg visuals and all of that. Yes, yeah, really, the whole aesthetic of everything was just the, the world building. Um, oh my gosh, I hope there's a sequel. Uh, I, I yeah, it's, uh, man, they keep they talking about it, and if James Cameron keeps putting his money into making Avatar sequels, then he needs to put money behind an Alita sequel as well. That's just how I'm feel about it. So I'll leave it at that, and I'll let you get on the number nine for you. Okay, so uh, piggyback off you. My number nine is one of those from your honorable mentions. All right. That was Avengers Endgame. Hey. So are you surprised it made my top ten? I, I'm not even surprised in the slightest. Okay. I, I realized I, I started talking about it for a little too long, and I was like, that's absolutely going to be yeah, I was like, I was like over here staring at you to go, shut your mouth, man. We, got, <laughs> we still got to talk about this. I know, I know. No, okay. So, um, yeah, so I get to talk now. You don't get to talk at all. Um, the, um, man... I know this is not everybody's cup of tea, this kind of movie. The comic book genre, the big action blockbuster, I think it's it's sort of, uh, you know, doesn't hold a lot of, you know, weight or anything like that. But, you know, $2.7 billion worth of people would tell you something else that they were really invested in where this was going and how this took place. Um, I mean, as a conclusion to where Avengers Infinity War started off and now we're at an endgame, I mean, the fact that they were able to make this work to this degree um, is almost a miracle in and of itself. Um, and a lot of it has to do with how much we've been invested in these characters. I mean, I'm a big Captain America guy. I'm a big you know, Iron Man guy and Thor. And those are the three characters that they put front and center, more or less, for this particular movie. And everything that was, that came before it really fed into... Uh, you the results mattering um so it's unbelievably impressive the i mean just the fact the cast list alone of actors that they have for this movie you know everybody's there everybody's yeah, it, back it threw six degrees the, of Kevin Bacon the, out the, the window. structure if you try to explain it to somebody you're like no way this something like this could work this particular structure <laughs> no and and yet somehow they managed to pull it off in a satisfying way that made everything come before it actually sort of meaningful. Um, I loved it. I had a blast. You know, I, I can't tell you how many times I've seen it by this point. But, um, yeah, really impressive work. The Russo brothers, hats off to you. That was... Yeah, you they, did it, man. You, you, yeah. did, you did it, guys. They brought 22 movies to a close, and they did it with just incredible skill. And yeah. I mean, we could go, we could go over tons of, like, comic book nerd moments that just totally... You know, there's there's something to be said for the fact that this movie is really going to work for people who are invested in 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 the Marvel yeah. cinematic universe, and so there's something you know, for everybody. Yeah, yeah. If if you are if you are interested in that world and if you're invested in it, then this movie is going to have something for you, and it's going to work. It'll work well. So I'm sure whoever's listening has probably seen this, or at least 95 percent of you. But I still won't spoil the ending. So <laughs> you're welcome. All right. So one ending. The. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, number nine for you. Where are we at? Number nine for me is Jojo Rabbit, directed by Taika Waititi. Okay. This movie is just 
a good time, something unexpected, something well made, lots of good performances. Yeah, we'll talk about this a little bit later. Yeah, for we're going to, so I, yeah, I just kind of want to throw some initial thoughts, but we'll bump it down because I know that you've got this one on your list as well. Yep. So, and it, so on that note, we'll go ahead and get to your number eight. Number eight. Okay, you did not see this movie. Uh oh. So, oh no. You get to uh, listen uh, to me talk a little bit. Oh boy. Number eight for me was Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, and I know you wanted to get to this one at some point. Yeah. Right? You know, on on the following up from the documentary um, from last year, whose name escapes me. Won't you moment. be my neighbor? Won't you be my neighbor? Thank you. Um, you know, I th- the thought is, do we have have we had enough of Fred Rogers already? And won't you be my neighbor was part of my top ten list from last year. And so I was sort of like skeptical. It's like, okay, are they doing overkill on the Fred Rogers really thing? Well, you. the really mm-hmm. smart thing, and uh, this was Mariel Henner, Mariel Heller, excuse me who was the director on this, the really smart thing they did was not centralize the story around Fred Rogers not so much. He was sort of a fringe character. And so the central character was is a writer who's you know uh, assigned to interview Fred Rogers. And by making Fred Rogers sort of a peripheral character, you got to see what kind of impact he has on the protagonist of the story. And it's incredibly moving because this writer... You know, he's not well-liked. He's not, you know, he's not in a good place um, with some of his own past and dealing with his own issues from things with his dad. And, um, and Chris Cooper is in this. And he's had a great year, by the way, Chris Cooper. But he... Yeah, yeah he has. But, uh, you know, so he, he plays his dad and there's a relationship thing there. And then, you know, Fred Rogers sort of gets himself involved as he was known to do. He was very observant. He was very perceptive about you know, if people were struggling and, you know, despite the fact that he was an incredibly busy man, he always took the time to like get involved. And, you know, does Tom Hanks look like Fred Rogers? No, but he embodies, I mean, if anybody can embody the personification of Fred Rogers, Tom Hanks is probably that guy. Cause you believe goodness about Tom Hanks. Oh yeah. And, you, and so his portrayal of Fred Rogers sort of feeds into all the things that, you know, about him, about Fred Rogers to begin with. Um, and so it's, it's a great performance. I mean, he got nominated for a supporting actor nomination. Um, yeah, no, it, it was great. And there's moments, I mean, certain decisions within this film that kind of, and the reason it's on my top 10 list is because I had emotional responses probably three or four times in the middle of this film. And there's certain choices, one in particular that takes place in the diner that once you watch the movie, you'll know it when you see it was one of the most, you know, awe-inspiring choices um, that I've seen in a long time. And it worked so well. And the way things tied up at the end was struck an emotional core with me because uh, it sort of makes you evaluate the relationships you have in your life and where they, your life and where they stand and whether you want to leave them where they are or not, or do something about it. So won't you be my neighbor? Excuse me. A beautiful day in the neighborhood. (laughs) I'm probably probably going to do that for the rest of my life. I know you're going to be mixed up. They would put two movies back to back years. Right. So a beautiful day in the neighborhood. That's my number eight. All right. Where are you on number eight? All right. Number eight for me is the lighthouse by Robert Eggers. I'm going to, I don't know. Is this on? It is on my list. All right. So So I'm just going to say, still don't get to talk. uh, I I want to say that this movie is just is uncomfortable and just, 
entrancing. It's like being hypnotized, and I can't wait to talk about it in a bit. So yeah, right. Once again, I'll get cut off, and I'll let you go on to your number. Let's see, what are we at? Number seven for you. Trust me, not all our movies are the same. Yes, uh, very true. Number seven for me, um, and when I put this list together, I was kind of surprised where it ended up, is Ford v. Ferrari. Okay. You shocked? No, I mean, I'm shocked that I forgot to bring it up in honorable mentions because it's a great film. Uh, man, I remember when I walked out of this one and I went and saw this with my dad and it's a great movie to see with your dad. Let me tell you that right now. <laughs> well, you did see it with your dad. I How went, about that? I went and saw it with my dad who saw it with his dad. It was weird. So it was we like get him to. three generations <laughs> in our family going to see this movie. But it's the kind of movie that you really don't see much of anymore. In the sense that, like, it feels like an old Hollywood movie. It really does. It it feels like something they would have made in the '60s, like from the, a big production studio. It's got that kind of, of feeling to it. It's got that vibe. Um, Christian Bale and Matt Damon. I mean, if you don't know the story, you know, Matt Damon plays Shelby, who is the designer of cars, and I'm drawing a blank on Christian Bale's character's name at the moment. But you know, but he's he's the driver that they're wanting for these particular races because they're trying to uh, beat out Ferrari, that company, sort of in the race wars. This was a big thing. And the Le Mans race that was over in France was mm -hmm. like the prestigious race that everybody wanted to win. And it was it was a big deal. And Ford was always losing to Ferrari. Yeah. You know, and so Shelby and uh, his team, you know, got together to try to put together the, together the best car possible. And it is about the racing, but it's also about the relationships that, that sort of develop between Bale and and Damon and um, and, and everybody. But it's it's a funny movie. No, yeah, it's 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 entertaining and, and it's funny and it's you know filled with lots of good family moments and it's it's heartwarming and it's it's just it, it encompasses so many things yeah, inside of it. And 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 the racing footage alone. Oh my I mean yeah man. Yeah if you're gonna see this like get yourself a sound system or something like that where you know you feel like you're there. Yeah. I mean the the, the the floor is vibrating. Yeah the floor yeah the floor is shaking you're right in the like you're right in the driver's seat everything's shaking around you and you are just watching everything zip by cars are wrecking and it's just it's intense. It's, it's really it's, intense. It's really intense. So, and James Mangold, he's the director. Shout out to him because that was yeah. an incredible job of putting that together to sort of immerse you in that experience. So, what's the, what's the better bromance of the year? Christian Bale and uh, <laughs> Christian Bale oh, and uh, Matt Damon or or Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt? I don't know. I didn't make a, <laughs> I didn't I didn't make a top ten bromance list for the year. So. No, no. Shame on you. We'll come back to that. Yeah. Uh, See, I've got a better one at number two. In okay. My so list. you're we're on your number seven now. Number seven for me is Marriage Story. Am I going to get cut off again? You are going to get cut off again. I love it so you, much. You Marriage Story is one of the best scripts. I've read the entire thing myself. Uh, Adam Driver sings in it, and it almost made me cry. <laughs> And that it's moment. so good. But we'll talk uh, about that. And we'll talk about it in full length, and it's going to be a great discussion. Hey, what's your number six? Because you're just on a roll today. Are you tired of not talking? Okay. Uh, so number six is one of your honorable mentions for you, which was Knives Out. Really? All right. All I right. No, Knives I respect Out. that. It's it's not I, a bad movie by any any. No, and, and this goes back to, like, where was I having a great time? at the movies this year. Yeah. And that was a great time at the movies. I think 
you don't get like original ideas very often anymore no. that sort of uh, draw big name cast like draw a big name cast like this. Um, and so everybody's on their A game. Everybody's committed. They look like they're having a blast. Uh, you know, you kind of it sort of subverts your expectations about what it's going to do probably within the first 20 minutes or so. Yeah. No. Yeah. It, yeah. it yeah. And at that point you're like, Oh, I don't really know where this is going. And yeah, which it, is a great thing because who done movies can be like, okay, so, you know, it can be kind of predictable sometimes. It's just like, okay, we got to figure out which one of these people did at the end. Right. Yeah. It's more than that. Yeah. Uh, and, but even if it wasn't more than that, the cast is so good. The writing oh. is so sharp that, even that part alone is, is sheer entertainment. One of the best ensembles of the year, without a doubt. Yeah. No, I mean, and uh, the one that people aren't talking about as much is Anna de Armas. Uh, yeah, it's okay. I was about to bring her up. Because she's not the name everybody knows. No, she's not. But she, and and Daniel, and let me say for the record, Daniel Craig is, is fantastic in this movie. But I mean, Anna de Armas steals the yeah. show. Yeah. She is something else. She's really, really good. And she's sort of like the audience's eyes. Um, you know, our, the audience surrogate really uh, experiencing these wacky people around her. I mean, <laughs> they're, they're nuts. Yeah, it's it's almost caricatures, but still within the realm of possibility, yeah. and that's what makes it so entertaining. Yeah. So, but it's fun. It's extremely sharply written. Um, it's, it's a total blast, worth checking out. Yeah, I, I had a great time, and and I, you know, I've heard that they're. Going back to that, we're made doing another. Yeah, one. I mean, and I I'm, think I think it's it's entertained enough people that uh, I think Ryan Johnson's writing another one. Yeah, no, that's the right and, direction to take. Um, yeah, and Daniel Craig is corn pone detective is coming back. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right, all right. So you're number six. Is number six, and I finally get to talk, and I'm so excited. That it's about this movie. I'll, I'll let you talk. We're gonna talk about uncut gems. Uncut Gems, directed by the Safdie brothers, Josh and Benny, starring... I knew you, you love this movie. Starring Adam Sandler in one of the weirdest and most entertaining roles that I have ever gotten the chance to see him in. And I've seen him play uh, twins. Oh, and, God. <laughs> did I, oh, I'm sorry. Did I remind you of Jack and Jillian? No, fraternal Twins. <laughs> fraternal <laughs> Twins, excuse not me. Not identical twins. Fraternal Twins. Ironically, that film also starred Al Pacino. Uh, he was not an Uncut Gems. I'm Ironically, just... that was also a bad decision. <laughs> <laughs> but Uncut Gems is one of the most anxiety-inducing experiences I've had in a long time. And I know that you were probably more in the liking of their previous film, Good Time, which... And they're probably on the same level with me. Yeah. Which is another movie that is like really tense throughout the entire thing. Yeah. but That's their trademark. You know, it really is. And they do such a good job of building an atmosphere and building a certain kind of mood for their characters and their setting and for their story. And all three of those things are just so well put together and well written that you just kind of get completely absorbed into what's happening and you are just waiting for everything to go wrong because as with good times and as with uncut gems, they're both movies where at any moment it seems like everything is about to blow up and go in the worst possible direction. Yeah. You're, you're constantly just like biting your fingernails, like, what's going to go wrong next? And and in my opinion, I know that you might not share this, but I think it paid off wonderfully. I think that it is one of the most wild and shocking and off-the-wall hey, things. It that... was in my honorable mentions for sure. I think the one thing, that, and I think I mentioned it to you this after we saw it, it was like the character, you know, Adam Sandler's character 
was not a guy that I was fully rooting for the entire oh, time. Oh, yeah. Because he's, he's, he's kind of a scumbag. He's deplorable. Yeah. He's, it's, and this is a movie where, in all honesty, I, I struggled to think of a single good character. Everyone kind of has their own ulterior motives. Oh, it's the seedy side of... Yeah, it's the seedy side of everything. Yeah. And But it's the, the performances and the whole thing are great. And so many unknowns and so many chances given to, like, Kevin Garnett, NBA player yeah. getting a chance to be in like a leading role in a film and getting to have one of the most incredible back and forth scenes with Adam Sandler and like he you could have told me he was a professional actor and I would have bought it without a doubt. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I mean yeah, no, everybody brings it brings yeah. their A game. Like I mean, they nailed it from an acting from a technical standpoint, creativity, all of that. It was just like I wish I, I wish there was something about Adam Sandler's character that I was like, this is why I want him to succeed. You know, I think I think what worked for me is that I knew <laughs> that it probably yeah, wasn't going to yeah, go well, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I was like, I'm just waiting for this dude to get his comeuppance. And and by the time that everything just kind of wraps itself and the story comes to a close, you're, you're just sitting there, slack jawed, and you're just like, well, all right, <laughs> that was it, yeah. and it's it was close. It, it was leaves close you me. it leaves you with lasting impression. So. All right, on to your number five. We're heading okay, into so the second half. We just a slight bump up. We're going to talk about Marriage Story now. That's number That's my number five. Oh man, um, I'll let you lead for now. Well, I mean, I think the thing I will warn people about with this movie, and you'll probably, you know, if you'll read about it, you'll know. If you if you are somebody who's been impacted by divorce in your family of any kind, whether it's parents or you know siblings or whoever or something like that, this movie. And I haven't been really impacted by it, but this even affected me. I mean, it is the story of two people who, in their own way, do love each other, but they cannot figure out how to live with each other. And, you know, so the fact that you know that they love each other breaks your heart. Um, and, and some of them are making, are making choices that make sense, and some are making choices that you're like, I don't understand why you're doing this. Um, but... You know, so they're not like, you know, perfect by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but man, you feel for them, and and Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver, Ugh. they sell it, um, and they, they, I, I can't even begin to describe how good they are in this movie. So I, I'll let you kind of, yeah, give your it's own thoughts. just, it's just this very gut wrenching journey of these two people caught up in some of the worst stuff that's ever going to happen to them and having no real way or idea of how to respond to it because there's still such a, such a genuine care for the other person, but it just doesn't work. And so it's just, it's heartbreaking and really hard to sit through. And, and it, it just, it puts you into the moment and yeah. you feel everything the characters are feeling because you're seeing them at their worst and, and, what brings them down and you're getting to see their heart and why they're feeling the way that they're feeling. And not only that, but you're left to your own interpretation because you're hearing two sides to a story and it's not pretty and it, uh, they don't always agree. And it, and it's so you're kind of stuck in the spot where you are, you know, you're watching these people get a divorce and it's, and it's not good. Well, and it's, and it's not presented in such a way where you're asked to pick a particular side. No, there's no villain. No, I mean, all. and both of them make mistakes and both of them, you want to 
find happiness. And I think Noah Baumbach, the director, one of the things that I like that he chose is he chose to show, you know, the ugly, you know, messy process of divorce, the legal stuff, the, oh, the, yeah. the mudslinging, the, um, all the stuff that takes place behind the scenes just for the sake of, you know, theoretically them getting what they want in the end. And they're not even sure that that's what they want. Well, and because of the situation that they put themselves in, they have no communication anymore. So they're left to their own thoughts of what the other person must be thinking. And so... Well, then they're being told and, what to think. Yeah, and they're being told what to think by, you know, their lawyers who are... Uh, Laura Dern and Ray Liotta, by the way, are so... Man, they're just, it's like, they're good at being, they're good at doing smarmy. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, they're doing their job, but they're, they're taking these two lovable characters of Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver and, and turning them against each other because they're just, all the emotions are running so high and they just want it to be over and yeah. they don't, they don't know how to handle things properly. And it's just, well, and when things come to a head, yeah, I mean, there's a particular scene where they're having it out, and oh my gosh! No, they have it. It's uh, you know, it's it's inevitable that that takes place at some point, and when it does, it's crushing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, let no, by by no means am I saying, oh my gosh, this is a really entertaining movie. This is what I call a great film. <laughs> um, you what know, happened so, to uh, your your favorite entertainment of the no, year? Just uh, choose, you know. Choose choose wisely depending on your mood with this particular movie, but it is impeccably, impeccably yeah, made. It's fantastic. So just as a reminder, that was my number seven on my list. Yeah. So we weren't that far apart. No, we weren't that far. What you have it at number five? That was my five. So what's five. your five? My five is Little Women, directed by Greta Gerwig. I'm assuming that you have this one as well. I do. So it's my number four. So let's just go ahead and. Is it really? Yeah, it's my number four. So we can go ahead and throw it out there. Yeah, because you'll be talking about your number four next. So we're just yep. going to go ahead and lump in. So Little Women is my number five. It's his number four. So we're going to go ahead and lump in the discussion together. Um, yeah, no need to wait. So great. I, I just, it's like, I, I'm Luisa May Alcott. Yeah, I I am I'm not incredibly familiar with the original story. I read um, Joe's Boys at some point in my childhood right. at the request of my mother, and I so I had this kind of vague recollection of what Little Women was, and I had seen like high school productions of it, and the high school productions weren't bad yeah. by any stretch. But finally getting to sit down and see the story brought to life in such a loving way and with so many incredible performances. And with such like an interesting storytelling um, kind of approach to it, it's just it's just incredible, and it's heart wrenching. And like the the performances from everybody just sell these characters and sell their interactions with each other, and you feel the heartache and you feel the love between them all, and the devastation when things hurt them, and when things go right, you feel their joy. And it's just a movie that has so much passion and and love I think with these characters the word that comes to mind is sort of the the opposite of what stuff like uncut gems or marriage story brings to the table this brings warmth is yeah it, i think that's kind of the word that comes to mind cozy it is something that you just you know you sort of relax into and and don't get me wrong it's you know if you know the story of little women you know there's ups and downs and yeah i i wasn't a big i wasn't i've not attached to this material at all from a book standpoint or from previous uh, versions, movie versions of this. So I don't have any attachment to the material, but uh, in this particular case with the cast that they brought together, the structure they set up for the movie, which to me um, 
the way the in in previous versions it's always sort of a chronological through line you know the early years and yeah. the later years and this one uh greta gerwig the director chooses to kind of go back and forth it creates this momentum it, to it, it for like you know you're going back and forth between the the present and, yeah. and the future or or maybe it's the present and the past i don't know depending on which way you look at it i guess <laughs> but you know there's a seven-year gap in the storylines yeah. but you're actually getting tossed back and forth during the course of the movie yeah and in a way, those storylines complement each other a lot better. Because you're getting to see a lot of the parallels between the actions of what the characters right. in the past and what they're doing in the future. And so, yeah, no, I agree with right. that. Right. And so, bit. you know, you're you're sort of seeing, you know, where they go eventually at the same time as you're seeing what it took to get them there. Yeah. And I thought that was really smart. The, the balance between all the sisters is something that I was really appreciative of because that's typically... You know, Joe is always the one that's sort of out there in front of everybody. She is the the main the char- main character, yeah. Lead. But yeah, but they... to to have all of the sisters to get sort of an equal presence in the movie mm-hmm. that's meaningful, I really appreciated that part about it because you know the cast across the board is really really good. Yeah, and I and 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 not to discredit um, Saoirse Ronan's incredible performance as Joe in yeah. a scene that that struck me emotionally where she's going to interact mm-hmm. with Laura Dern is is beautiful and, and her journey as a character is fantastic but for me I think the standout of the movie was Florence Pugh and Timothy Chalamet as Amy and Laurie and Laurie and and their their chemistry and getting to watch their journey as characters and just see how this all unfolds and the way that they grow and change and you know you're left with just just so many incredible scenes where the two of them are just having it out with each other and and um, it, it complements, you know, like you said, with the narrative and the structure of everything, it complements the past of everything so well. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's, it's and, so and well done. they made some smart choices. Uh, the other thing that the structure helped with was where Joe ended up at the end. Yeah. Uh, can you spoil a book that's like 150 years old? Uh, um, <laughs> but so, I mean, probably like not. The character of Frederick, you know, the. Frederick? Is it Friedrich? I think it's Friedrich. Excuse me. Friedrich. Um, <laughs> at the end, I feel like his character is less intrusive in this version than it is in other versions that I've seen. In fact, yeah. I've seen some people that love the book think that movies handle it better even than the book uh, about how Friedrich is, is brought into the equation. Um, and I, I really, really liked it too. So all in all, this is terrific. Um, it's not, you know... It's not just for women out there. Guys love this movie too. <laughs> I mean, I've seen it twice. You've seen it twice. Yep. I and I would see it again in a heartbeat. It's it's just it's a great time. And it, and and movies like this don't come very often. Movies that are just very joyous and warming and yeah, something that you can just sit down. And this is this is a a PG film, and so and you could this is approachable for so many people yeah i yeah. and i would say that you young know girls love this kind of movie yeah young boys too I honestly what do i care yeah and that's what i'm trying to say is like there's 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 just such an approachable like comfort to the whole thing and, and the way that it's done and and it, yeah it's just it's fantastic so we're back to you with your four yeah so yeah i was five on little women you were four on little women so we're up to my number four which, once again, we're going to be putting off because I know for a fact that my number four, Parasite, will be on your list later. Well, not that much later. We can talk about it now because it's my number three. 
<laughs> we're just going to keep lumping in the discussions together. Yep. So we All right. let's talk about it now. So number four for me is Parasite. Number number three for you is Parasite. How do we talk about this one? I don't... Okay, uh, okay so <laughs> for those of you not familiar with the movie, this is a Korean film. Um, and Be careful what you say. I know, I know. It's like, this is a movie, and I highly is, recommend that if you have any interest in this movie, just go sit down and watch it. Yeah. Don't... I mean, we can get give you a general idea that it is a movie about class in the sense of like, you know, the, the upper class, lower class, yeah. you know, in Korea, um, the, the dynamics that take place between those classes. Um, and, you know, the setup is sort of the merging of those two classes and how they interact with each yeah. other. Now, you know, being very careful with how much I give away the movie does not always stay on the same trajectory that you're thinking it's going to stay on. Yeah, it really doesn't because it's because it, it's it tries to take this idea that you're talking about of, of classism and it try and it presents that in a way in like this first portion of the film and it presents that in a way that you're following along very easily and then it flips it on its head. Yeah. And then all of a sudden what you thought it was about it's still about that but in an entirely different way. Right. And it's executed so well and it's and it's the entire movie has so many incredible sequences of just like you're just in you're reeling back because you're like oh my gosh what is happening because you're seeing these characters um you know do these things i, I don't want to give it yeah, away because this is because this is a movie that 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 a good portion of like its appeal is the fact that it's like is knowing nothing because yeah. if you really give it away it takes away some of that punch so I, I will say, like, I remember when I first walked out of it, I was a little lukewarm initially because I wasn't as crazy about the way it was in, in, yeah. ending. Um, but looking back at it in hindsight, I shouldn't let those last 10 or 15 minutes do away with, like, a f incredible first two hours. Yeah. Um, it, it sticks with you. The, yeah. The whole movie, it kind of leeches into the back of your brain and you think about it for a while. Yeah, the, the acting is fantastic. Um, Everyone. Um, Bong Joon-ho. Bong Joon-ho. Is the director who, I love Snowpiercer. I wasn't crazy about Okja. Okja um, was, was, was weird. It was a thing uh, of ideas. Yeah. So <laughs> I've been sort of like hit or miss on, yeah. on his stuff, but this, I think is the, his best one. Without like, a doubt, like by far for me. Yeah, and, and I can't wait to see it again because. Yeah, hopefully we can get to catch that one more time because I just I we only saw it the once. Yep. But even still, only seeing it the one time, it's still so vivid in my head. All right. So number your number four, my number three was Parasite. So we're back to your number three. So we're on to my number three. So this is where things get interesting. Are you gonna like? completely like blow my mind here or what well no but i know for a fact that that it's my next several movies uh <laughs> one i don't think you loved but also i don't think are on your list so i'm gonna spend my time talking about my number three ashes purest white uh directed by janky gia you go right ahead I, i'm gonna spend my time talking you go about right movie. ahead with that this is a movie that isn't gonna work for everybody uh and that's fine my hand's up in the air his hand is raised so high <laughs> but uh, there's just Something about it that when I watched it hit me so heavily at the time. The story of this relationship in in this crime mafia, and you're getting to watch it unfold over so many years um, in their relationship and the way that their relationship changes between these two people. 
and and when one of them gets I, I'm not afraid to spoil this movie because I'm, I'm sure a good portion of you probably won't be able to find it um, let alone watch it's a, it it's a Chinese film. it's a Chinese film so I was sorry I would clarify that I figured the director's name would probably give that away um, but when when one of the characters gets sent away to prison and we're on this entirely new journey now of this character and then we return home and see how things have changed again and the way everything is handled, the story of these characters and and the evolution of their hearts over all these years and the love that they have for each other constantly changing is is so beautifully presented and so beautifully done. And big in part, or it's, you know, big in part, it's in large part to... Large part due it's to... It's in large part due to um, Tao Zhao and Fan Liao for... The incredible performances between the two of them. Well done on pronouncing his name. I right? know I practiced because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to butcher it. I practiced the director's name too because I was really I probably still butchered it. But the the relationship between the two of them and the chemistry they have for each other is is just so is so strong. And even when their relationship is at its absolute worst, they're still playing off of each other so well. And so a large, large part of why this movie worked for me so well is uh, when it, when I watched it, it hit me emotionally just because some of the things that I've been going through. And so yeah, it stuck with me and I still think about it quite often. And, and the cinematography is beautiful. I think the directing is really good. There's, I, I remember we watched this late at night, so I might've been like, like check that I, a little bit. I, I, I so you know maybe that didn't allow me to fully engage with it the, you know the way that you were able to so I'll, uh, granted that was probably probably a little too late at night for me to be trying to watch something of that that ilk but like i said it's not a movie for everybody um but i think that you know if you like if you're hey, maybe somebody will look into it you now. know what yeah if you watch it and you love it hit me up i'd love to have a conversation about it because it's a, it's a great movie tell them the name again just so they know uh ash's purest white there you uh, go <laughs> <laughs> just otherwise i have to rewind and go find the name again yeah all right so we're gonna move on to your number two we're at my number two okay so do you remember what we punted like from a long time ago way back oh, that i said we punted one hold on i'll just say it it's the lighthouse it's the lighthouse Woo! The Lighthouse is my number two. That's pretty high up, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I had it. What I had at number eight. I had a number eight number on eight. my list. So this is another uh, film, not a movie, <laughs> but this is a film <laughs> oh, in the in the see, in yeah. the quote unquote. Put the quotes around it. Um, so th- you know, this is a it's going to be a polarizing movie for a lot of people. But The Lighthouse, to me, I remember when we were sitting there watching it, our jaws were on the floor through most of it. It's and, <laughs> and it is. It's a two-man show about two um, wikis. Yeah, two wikis. The wikis that are, are running a lighthouse. They're taking their their shift. You know, whether it's like a month-long shift on a lighthouse in the middle of on the off the coast of Maine, and it's a two-man show with Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson, <sighs> and their existence during this particular time. And sort of the story about isolation and slow descent into madness uh, when you're put in strenuous circumstances. And, you know, that is sort of the setup. Um, but yeah, that that's is... just the setup because every time you think the movie is at like its peak of kind of getting weird, it just finds a way to keep getting weirder. It's and so it's so weird. I, and, <laughs> but, but it's. It... It's a, it's the good kind of weird. Yeah, uh, Robert Eggers, the director. If you've ever seen The Witch, 
Oh my god! Then you probably have a pretty yeah, good you, idea what you're getting. He's, you know what you're getting he's into. Very much, he's very much into the language and syntax of the period, and this is like late 1800s. Late 1800s, old English. It's like the way that they're talking to each other is. Yeah, I mean, like Willem Dafoe is like some old sea dog pirate type or something. <laughs> There's, I won't, and I won't. He sells the hell out he of that. He really does because. I won't pretend that there aren't points where I'm watching this and I'm like, I, I lost, I lost it. And I like, I lost my track on what he was saying. And I'm so far down this rabbit hole. But even when I did, I, I didn't care. It. But the, but the reason it works so well is because the performances from Will Defoe and Robert Pattinson are so like, just I, you, intense and gravitating. Yeah, and it's, like, it's like you're watching a stage play on an really, island. On yeah. An island. It's, it feels like, yeah, it feels like a stage play. You know, it, honestly, I'd love to see it as such, but but man it is it, the way it's shot it's in like four by three ratio black and white as opposed to 16 by nine which yeah. is what, what you usually see mm-hmm. so it's very claustrophobic shot in black and white um cinematography is just gorgeous yeah and and when we say that it was shot in black and white uh to clarify it wasn't like filmed in color and then post in black and white they shot on black and white film yeah and so when this movie was being made they had to account for all that so the look of everything is so purposeful with the black and white aesthetic of it all. It's just gorgeous to I'll look at. Take it back. At. There is one more character. That seagull <laughs> is on the camera. No. Oh, man. Watch oh, that poor seagull. If you ever watch this movie, watch for the seagull. Yeah. He's a very important character. He really is. Um, but there's more going on here than there's, just two men on yeah. an island. I mean, there's sort of like this. There's a lot underneath the surface of it all. Uh, but... You know, less grounded sort of story going on behind the scenes that I will refrain from getting into detail. When it starts getting weird, just let it, let it, let the movie do what it's going to do and sit back. Man, (laughs) I mean, watching these two guys just act the, you know what, out of all of this stuff. I mean, it's it's amazing. The fact that neither of them got Oscar nominations is honestly a little surprising. I think it's because the movie just didn't strike a chord with many people. Yeah, I, it's, I don't think it did very well at the box office. I don't think a lot of people saw it, which is kind of surprising because I think this year a lot of smaller movies found quite a lot of success. I know Uncut Gems has done pretty well. Parasite has done has done very yeah, well done in very theaters. Well, yeah. And so, yeah, I guess it's just but, kind of the unfortunate fact but that I, The Lighthouse... I get it. The Lighthouse is not going to be for everybody. Um, it's, I, it's not. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't try to talk anybody into it if they didn't like it. I really wouldn't. I just, I thought it was amazing. I just, I, I walked out of that thing thinking. Yeah, it's just, how do I, how do I like, how do I even comprehend what just happened? I just, I just thought it was, I thought it was great. So. No, no, I agree. A, that's my number two. That was just for reminder. That was my number eight. And, and that doesn't mean that I don't think it was you know, good in any respect. I, it's, it's just a great movie. It just means I loved it. it yeah, he means he loved it more than I did. <laughs> so we're going to go into my number two, uh, which is Dragged Across Concrete by S. Craig Zoller. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm reminding you of this movie because this is another movie that we watched all the way back in, like, February. And right after we watched it, it shot to the top of my list. This is a, such a... <laughs> this is so, like... Yeah, so <laughs> you will feel like you were dragged across concrete after you watched it. The name is very, it's very true to its name. The Irishman was like three hours and 30 minutes long. And yet somehow dragged across concrete, which I think is only like two twenty, two thirty, somehow feels longer because the movie is just this slow dialogue of, of 
um, these two cops, or this this one cop uh, who's been suspended from the force, played by Mel Gibson, and Vince Vaughn, his friend. It's great to see Mel Gibson again. Right? Yeah, and, and he, oh, he's just great in this well, movie. However you feel about the guy, the guy... The guy can really act. Yeah, no, yeah. he he can act, and he acts in this movie. He acts his heart out, and the and I would put this up there with Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio and Matt Damon and more, Christian more Bale bromance, more for one of the best bromances of 2019. Mel Gibson and Vince Vaughn have such a great chemistry with each other, and I bought this script. Um, did you to, really? I did not know that. Yeah, so S. Greg Zoller has all the scripts available on his website, and I bought it because I wanted to have a copy of it. It's just his scripts are so his scripts are almost like novels, which really you're not supposed to do as a screenwriter. But he creates such a a tone with every scene that he's in as a writer and as a director. And it's you were you weren't kidding. This movie does feel like you're being dragged across concrete. It's slow. It's brutal. Jennifer Carpenter comes in for one of the most brutal cameos of like. Okay. yeah, you got reminded of that. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks for bringing that up. It's 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 such a like a. It's such a punch in your like I don't know where it hits you, but it hits you all over. Not a good place. No, it doesn't, and it's and it and it just kind of cements what this movie's trying to do because it's this movie is really I, about one thing, and it's this heist, and it's only about that, and it's two hours and twenty minutes of it, and it's I I like Zoller a lot. I mean, I Bone Tomahawk whew. and. Uh, cell block, brawl and cell block, uh, brawl and cell block ninety nine. Vince Vaughn as well are really like. I, I, I admire those movies quite a bit, and they are rough. They are. Um, <laughs> I mean, like, really rough. But there's yeah. something visceral about the way he... I mean, there's a very, for lack of a better term, masculine vibe to his movies that just sort of, like, you know... It's they're mean. Yeah, and and so I, I was trying to avoid kind of bringing up the whole thing you're doing, but this is a film. <laughs> this mm-hmm. is not. I don't know if I would classify this as entertainment oh, because gosh, no. it's just, it's so. It just feels like you need to take a shower afterwards, and you're just. But I, for me personally, I got so absorbed in it and watching what's happening and watching everything unfold. And the the I might need to watch it again. I I, f- I want to watch it again at some point because I think that the the, dire- the directing skill that Esper it's good. I think it's to good. It makes everything feel so visceral in a way that just just blows maybe, me away with everyone. Maybe because I was so blown away by his previous two films, I was like, okay, this is my third favorite, and so it didn't really like, you know. No, I understand that, and I and I won't uh, I won't uh, call that a bad thing. So that was your number two. That was my number two. Hey, let's take a little segue. Yeah. Let's uh briefly. We're gonna make y'all wait for a second. Let's yeah, let's not talk about our number one movies. Uh let's talk about our number zero movies, the worst movies of twenty nineteen. Yeah, before we get to our number ones, <laughs> we're gonna make don't you sit throw the, anything at us. We're gonna you give you garbage. So I, I one of the things I wanted to mention about the worst movies is like I go see a lot of movies. I don't have a lot of time to go see all the bad movies. Like, you know, there's a lot of movies out, bad movies out there that I know we're bad, and I just don't take the time to go see him. But we still managed to, to see the worst of the worst. We still managed to stumble across some awful. Like there's awful like don't get stuff. me wrong, there's like bad stuff that comes out in theaters every year. But we found a way to see. So the I think worst. I think we both agree. There's like three in particular we're, we're going to talk about 
more specifically. Yeah. So what? So the but the rest of them were like, what are these like honorable mentions? Yeah, the honorable movie? mentions are the worst movies. I mean, Gemini Man was yep, that atrocious. Was on, that was on my honorable mention. Uh, Dark Phoenix was. Just, was I didn't have that one on mine. That was a movie was a mess. Pet Cemetery. Yeah, I thought it was okay. I guess everything that everything that they tried to do with that movie. That this is what's on my list. What was on your honorable mentions? For uh, well, worst? Gemini Man. I did have Cold Pursuit on there. I had Cold Pursuit on most which mine. It was a Liam Neeson movie, and you think you're going into that same path that usually goes on and then it just he like leaves the movie for like 30 yeah, minutes it's weird because i almost admire the movie for how just insane it is but i can't not say it's one of the worst and, there, and the there's year. there's some bad acting in that movie okay so cold pursuit what else did you have uh fast and furious presents hobbs and shaw i yeah it's on my short list <laughs> it's just we're in the minority on this i know people it's... really like this movie i think it's trash i love it's the... just written by a monkey i love <laughs> I, I I like the Fast and Furious franchise, but this thing was like somebody's, you know, Fast and Furious' stepbrother or something like that. Oh, I need to pencil in one of the worst movies of 2019. I completely forgot to put this on my list. Six Underground, the oh. Netflix film directed by Michael Bay. That movie was... I, I'm not even going to start on that movie. That yeah. movie was the worst I'd in forgot, every way I, possible. I'd forgotten about that one. I did too. I burned it from my memory. Um... One that I saw that you did not was The Goldfinch. Uh, yeah. Did you I think wondered, that was coming up? I wondered if you would bring that one up. You know, this is a movie that, like, it's bad because it, it thinks it's so good. <laughs> it's just it's just trying a little too hard. Yeah, it is, it is prestige-like wannabe kind of do you stuff. Remember, do you remember, do you remember Collateral Beauty? Oh, yes. years ago. Yes, 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 Will, yes, yes, it yes. reminds me a lot of collateral it, it, beauty. It, it's feeling itself really. It's, it's really proud. It's like we're the artsy movie. And you can tell, year. I mean, it's based on a novel that, you know, prize winning novel and all of this stuff. So I was really intrigued. The cast is, you know, I was like, okay, we get this big sprawling epic. And it, it's not good. No, I mean, it is, it is the visual equivalent of somebody reading the novel to you. It is uh, like not. A pleasant experience it's it doesn't really seem to grasp how to like translate something from the page to the screen it's got one saving grace okay roger deakins well yes i mean yes. roger deakins as a cinematographer on the goldfinch i'm never going to argue with that but that's like you know i know that's the least of his problems it's like <laughs> uh the only other one i had on my list and i know you might defend this one a little bit but i here we go last minute i remembered that we watched hellboy Oh, Hellboy 2019 starring, uh, what, Dave Harbour? David Harbour. David Harbour. Oh, man. I can't, I can't argue with you. I, that movie's so fun, but it's one of the worst things that came out last it's year. It's really bad. It's, it's bad. It's terrible. But, man, is it stupid. And it's kind of, it's the stupid in the way where I can almost let it slide, but not quite. It's, it's bad. So, okay, what, before so, we get to those other three, what else do you have to throw that's, out there? That's all that I have okay. for the most part. So, so, did you even rank these three or just like, now we're just going to mm. talk about them. So we went and we kind of, I didn't think we would really spend so much time on the honorable mentions of the worst movies, but these, and we're not ranking them, but these are, did you rank them? Not really. No. Okay. I mean, I know which one I think is the worst, but I, I didn't really go out of my way. All right. I know which one I think is the worst. So I'm going to, we're going to say it. We're going to talk about that afterwards when we talk about the three, but so these are like the three movies that we thought were the absolute worst from 2019. We'll start it off. Which one do you want to start I, with? I'll start off with the one that's actually like entertaining in a bad way. I think like Serenity. <laughs> If you haven't seen Serenity, we're not talking about the Joss Whedon film from, you know, 15 years ago. Yeah. We're talking about the Matthew McConaughey, Anne Hathaway, Jason Serenity, Clark, um, mm. that, 
Like, I can't even believe that happened. And I, I'm leaning back up against the wall now because I'm thinking about it. And so it's actually one of those movies I'm like, you got to go see this thing to really believe what, what just happened. And remember how when we talked about Parasite and we said that we don't want to spoil it because, like, seeing it is the experience? The same thing applies to Serenity, but for some reason in the exact opposite way. Yeah. It's one of the most insane things I've ever seen, and it's one of the dumbest stories, and I... I don't even, I, even if I Somebody wanted thought this was a good idea, even if I wanted to explain to you what makes the movie as in, insane as it is, I don't even think I could get into words properly. I would butcher the story or in some aspect, just watch it because, but I know, I know plenty of people who like go watch it just to see just how bad it is. I mean, uh, because they, yeah. because they've heard. So I, from that standpoint, I would recommend it's sort it. of like, <laughs> you know, watchable in a train wreck sort of way. I would, I would, these I would other two, I don't think so. Yeah, mm, well, hold on. Which one do you we want to We can agree next? to disagree. Let's talk about The Fanatic. Okay, that's kind of the one I thought we were going to next. The Fanatic, directed by uh, Fred Durst of Limp Biscuit fame. Dear God. <laughs> a sentence I never thought I would say. Uh, starring Devin Sawa in the role of his lifetime, honestly, and uh, John Travolta. John Travolta, also in the role of his lifetime. Again? Okay. <laughs> Now, have you seen the stuff he's been putting out the last couple of years? I, 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 I mean, I think he might have hit bottom with this one, but... This is the bottom, dude. <laughs> the Fanatic, it is offensive. It is... <laughs> that's that's putting it lightly. No, it, it, it is like... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It is tone deaf in the sense of like, it's putting things on screen. You're like, wow, they really thought this was okay. And um, John, John Travolta playing someone who is... On the spectrum? Very clearly on the spectrum and caught up in this uh, being a being a s- avid stalking fan of a celebrity and it just spirals out of control from there in a movie that is an hour and 20 minutes long but feels like an eternity. I don't want to spend too much time on no, this. No, I don't either. <laughs> but, I, I, but I will say this. Somehow Devin Sawa was the best actor in your movie and that's really saying... He... I gave a good performance. I know. I, I know that. you thought he was fine. I'll stand just, by. I actually think Devin Sawa did a decent job with something terrible. But there's no salvaging the rest of that. Okay, so my worst movie, I mean, I think it's the worst movie, was... <sighs> yeah, no, I'd have to give it to... So, yeah. worst movie of the year, without a doubt. Cats. Tom Hooper. I mean... an absolute mistake. Cats is an abomination. <laughs> It's like a fever dream. It is. But not I like mean, the entertainment Yeah, when I wrote kind. a review, it was like some hallucinatory, or hallucinogenic, like, nightmare that you can't escape from. I mean, I thought I would find something entertaining. <laughs> I, I kept waiting it. for there to be something about it for me to be like, oh, that's so bad, it's funny. But it's just, well, it's, it's just, just bad. It's bad. just bad. And, I mean, I think part of the issue is I don't think Cats in and of itself is a good musical um, it's really not so you put that and then just layer on bad ideas bad like set designs bad performances like, like bad. cgi cat people um incoherent narrative structure i mean it is just the messiest thing ever and it's not even like so good it's so bad it's worth yeah watching. like we recommended serenity and the fanatic under no circumstances should you watch cats i i wouldn't even like no i would say that just avoid it it's really like, not worth the time even in a even in a bad movie kind of way it's just not worth it 
Well, and and if if somebody loves the musical cats, they will hate this. For it's, what it's, they did. it's insulting. <laughs> and if they don't know the musical cats, they will hate this for exposing them to it. <laughs> it's just a train wreck from start to finish, and there's nothing about it that I think works. So, cats officially the worst movie. Maybe in the last decade. So now that we've suffered a little bit, you want to talk about the best movie? Okay. So my best movie, and I mean, if y'all been doing process of elimination, maybe you figured it out. I think Jojo Rabbit is the best movie of 2019. Uh, I've seen this movie a couple of times now, and it hit me just as much, if not more, on the second time around. The fact that this movie even works at all from 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 a setup standpoint i mean basic premise like world war ii germany a a little boy who grows up in that particular time and era naturally he is told that hitler is you know like hitler is his michael jordan that's who he looks up to (laughs) and like he thinks michael uh, thinks hitler is everything that he should you know try to be and you know and you know, Taika Waititi is the director, but he also played Hitler in the movie as this little boy's sort of imaginary friend. He envisions Hitler as, you know, somebody who would be his best friend because that's what he wants. And you find this without without within the first five or ten minutes of the movie. So this is not like great spoiler territory or anything. And but it's really a story about the power of indoctrination. And yeah. the fact that if you were a little boy born born in the late 1930s Germany, yeah, you would believe Hitler was, you know, everything everything that you wanted to be. Yeah. And um, and so the power of indoctrination that takes place that's a universal theme. No matter what what place you grow up in, what culture you're a part of, you you are fed something. Yeah. You are provided something with which to follow and with which to admire. And what are those things? And you do not know, especially when you're a little kid, that, you know, what you should be comparing those things to in a, in a, you know, in a moral world. And the way they handle this material, I mean, it's really, really delicate. It's funny. It's, it's sweet. Um, the, there's some heartbreaking stuff in it. Yeah. Um, it, it punches you in the gut sometimes. Yeah. I mean, there are, there are certain scenes where you're just like, Oh no. Um, but it never loses that, uh, the spirit of the, it all. The spirit of like, you know, a kid sort of coming into his own and figuring out what the world is really about. Coming of age movie in, in some way. It is. And it I, is. and I think that that's one of its strongest suits. I had this at number, at number nine on my list. Yeah. I think one of the strongest things about this movie is how well they balance this concept of having Hitler as this boy's imaginary friend and using it as both uh, for good punchlines and balancing it well and using it to sell this emotional message about um, the power of belief and yeah. and you know being so certain on something and all of a sudden having to question that and what that means for you as a person right. in a society that wants you to be a certain way. And and handling that so perfectly in a movie that I was just having such a great time laughing in, and then oh, there's, in I mean, two minutes later I would stuff. just be punched in the I mean, gut. There's, there's an element of Wes Anderson esque yeah comedy it's, in it's this. It's very kind of it's got some whimsical feel to it, but it's you would, you would think might feel inappropriate, but you know once you see it, you'll see how it fits. And and 
can't, you know, supporting roles like Sam Rockwell and uh, uh, Alfie movie. Allen and Rebel Wilson and Steve Merchant. I mean, oh gosh, Steve Merchant. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I mean, I would love to. Steve Merchant. Oh my gosh, you, you've never, you've never seen anything until you see Stephen Merchant play a Nazi. Um, <laughs> you know, and Scarlett Johansson is terrific. Oh, yeah, it's um, so it's it's just it worked across the board for me. I think it is a a miracle that they actually managed to balance this whole thing tonally without like going too far to either side and feeling disrespectful no. and yet too dark at Absolutely. the same time. They did it perfectly. So Jojo Rabbit, I will continue to praise that movie. Yeah, you know. and I will stand by it as well. Jojo Rabbit is a, is a great film and lots of great performances. Some of the best job performances I've seen in... Oh, his be- oh, best friend. Time. Oh, gosh. oh, Archie Yates playing yeah. Yorkie. Yorkie. Oh, okay. Watch for Yorkie. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that kid. There's I know. this sweet little kid named Yorkie in the film who who is honestly like this movie's got so much heart, but he's the heart he of it all. He steals every scene. He's just and the best. It's fantastic. Okay, yeah. so that's my number one. Your number one. Drum roll. Drum roll, please. My number one is Waves, written by Trey Edward Schultz. Uh. So this is going to be interesting because you don't like this movie at all. I wouldn't say I don't like this movie. I would say it didn't uh, completely work uh, for me. So you know that's, that's to it's, take it's, nothing it's, away from your you're enjoyment. Right. That's of it. you're right. That's different. But you've so, seen it a couple of times. So you I've can seen speak it twice it. now. I tried to see it three times. It was in theaters for like two weeks. Waves is a movie that is just so. Deeply rooted in the concept of of how the choices that our family makes or the choices that our families make affect each other and the impact that, that makes over time and watching that in this this long journey of characters, um, this the story of this one family who um, deals with this deals with this massive heartbreak and has to learn to cope with that. And the story of this father and a son having to um, be at odds and the son having to deal with his the pressures that he's facing. And there's so many things about this movie and so many ideas that it's juggling. And it makes this it makes this very bold choice of, of how it wants to structure itself that I, that if you can't get on board with it, then, then you know, I understand that that's probably going to lo- make the movie lose for you. But for me, it it only cemented how much I was invested in what was happening in his film. Some of the best performances that I've seen in a, in a long time, Taylor Russell, who came he's out gr- of, he's great. She Taylor. I'm, Russell. I was, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about the son. Yeah. Um, no, so Taylor Kelvin, Kevin, Kel, well, you're talking about Kelvin, Kelvin Harrison Jr. Yes. Kelvin Harrison Jr. Who's incredible. He's great. He's so good. But you, you like Taylor Russell. But even more. I, Taylor Russell, who plays the sister and, um, Oh my gosh, her name is Emily. Mm-hmm. Um, who who plays Emily and she just she she spends um you know some time in the movie in the background and then when she comes to the forefront she is just a powerhouse yeah, she carries the movie the film at that point yeah, she like, really does this movie I, has sells me on such a reality in the relationships between the characters it feels so real to me the the love that characters that these characters feel for each other when these relationships are being developed and the relationships between the children and their parents and just everything that happens to them and the way the movie's written it has this very unique thing that it does where it's got this soundtrack 
playing throughout the whole movie. I mean, not obviously throughout the whole movie, but it has, you know, this playlist that is coming in at certain moments to help kind of give certain scenes an extra punch to sell a moment or to create this tone and mood for whatever's happening. And I, and I might be partial because a lot of the music that they use is music that I'm already familiar with and music that I enjoy, but right. it also put me onto a lot of things that I wasn't quite familiar with. Yeah. So this movie had so many things that I wasn't expecting and it just, it, it stuck with me so long that I, like I went back and saw it two days after I saw it for the first time Yeah. and I tried to see it again, but it, like I said, it didn't last. You know, I kind of wonder if like, it being about, you know, teenagers and you being sort of closer to that age than me, that maybe it struck a chord a little bit more yeah. uh, because you can relate to some of the pressures that they were experiencing, mm-hmm. um, you know, as far as like choices in life and, and which direction am I going and uh, who am I going to choose to be with? And, you know, uh, those sort of questions are things that you're a lot closer to dealing with than yeah. I am. So maybe that's why it might not have hit as close, hit as close to home. Uh, I will say Sterling K Brown. I don't think you've mentioned his name yet. No. Yeah. Sterling K Brown is just, he's, he's the, the father of the family. And that guy, I mean, I could, you know, just watch him stand there and I'm convinced that he's got so much going on. Yeah. He's, um, he's phenomenal. So he's really great. I mean, the acting is really great all the way. Yeah. Around. I would say that, that uh, a big thing of this movie for me that, that makes it as, amazing as it is is all the performances i feel very sold on and i know that you're not um sold on all of them but i I don't think that there's i don't in my opinion i don't think there's a a weak performance no the performances were never my issue i think it was the structure of it i think uh it it sort of left me hanging on a few things that i wasn't ready to let go of yet and yeah uh, it it, it's very intentional about the story choices and the way that it wants to tell the story and yeah it wasn't an accident or anything no and and if and if if you can't get on board with it then in you know you're probably not going to be able to latch on the film but you know one of those movies you're either there with it or you're not yeah and i know it sounds like we're kind of being really vague about it and for the most part it's because this movie has a story to it that is important to not know going in and the way that it's told if you know ahead of time, it kind of takes away some of the impact. Um, so I would recommend seeing Waves just based on recommendation. Try not to look too much into it. Um, but yeah, most, Give it a shot. You never know what you might find out. Yep. And with most of all of these films, I would say I would recommend you check them out. All the stuff that we got a chance to talk about. Uh, maybe we should like... Okay, so that's that's our list right there. That's, maybe yeah. we should run through it one more time just so they yep. have like... So. I'm just going to run down my list one more time and then I'll let you do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, number 10, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Number 9, Avengers Endgame. Number 8, Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. 7, Ford v. Ferrari. 6, Knives Out. 5, Marriage Story. 4, Little Women. 3, Parasite. 2, The Lighthouse. And number 1 was Jojo Rabbit. All right, and for me, number 10 was Alita Battle Angel. Number 9, Jojo Rabbit. Number 8, The Lighthouse. Number 7, Marriage Story. Number 6, Uncut Gems. Number five, Little Women. Number four, Parasite. Number three, Ashes Purest White. Number two, Dragged Across Concrete. And number one, Waves. So, yeah, okay. that's it. Those are our uh, top ten movies of the year and some of the worst stuff that we got to see. And so uh, thank you guys for listening. Yep. If you made it this far, this ended up going a lot longer than we had intended. But uh, yeah, we never know how long these things will take. But, I mean, if you hung in there with us... Fantastic. We appreciate it. Uh, hopefully you got some lists now to go take a look at. Um, I think somewhere in all of this, you'll probably manage to find something you like uh, if you haven't seen some of these already. Many of you have, but, uh, but 
Now you know our opinions. All right. Thanks for listening. All right. Good, good night.